Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. Jump into this message, but not before we pray. Let's bow our heads real quick and uh, close our eyes. We need the Holy Spirit to help us receive His Word and be ready. So, Father, I thank you for everything you're doing this morning. Thank you, Lord, because we're not trying to push anything. We're riding your wave, Holy Spirit. And you're here in the room right now. And you're moving upon our hearts. So, I pray that what you're doing here, and what you're doing at home with those people that are connected, that are watching. Maybe they're watching this later on in the week while they're at the gym or they're driving to work. Lord, I pray your presence would just come and manifest and be real to everybody in a mighty way. And as we stand here, Lord, and scatter your word, as we get up here, Lord, and sow the seed of your word, that it does not return void, but it accomplishes everything for which you're sending it. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord this morning. Thank you, worship team. All right, thank you so much. So guys, today we're coming to the close of a series that we started out, okay, in the first weekend of October, all right? And this series, based on the book of Philippians, all right, and why did he do it like Because Philippians is four chapters, all right? And usually every month we have four weekends, all right? I think in this October one, we have an extra weekend, all right? So we've been studying a different chapter of Philippians every week. And the name of this series is called, I Choose Joy. Can you repeat that with me this morning? I choose joy. Say it one more time. I choose joy. Now tell it to your face. You know that sometimes I'm a little crazy. I'll go to the bathroom and stand in front of the mirror and say, you're happy right now. I choose joy right now. I'm not going to let the circumstances that I'm going through put me down. And I talk to myself. Guys, look over here. Sometimes we got to talk to ourselves. King David said, oh, he spoke to his soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. What was he doing? He was talking to himself. The lady that had the issue of blood, before she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she said to herself, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. There comes a moment that you got to talk to yourself. you got to believe what God is saying. you got to speak to your soul. Because a lot of times, God's promises are up here, but your soul's all the way down here. Many times God wants to do things in your life, but you need faith to arise because according to your faith and my faith, will it be done? So I can't be in my faith like it was a Monday morning at 6 a.m. You know the Monday morning feeling? You got five more days to go? <laughs> All right, a lot of times that's how we come to church on Sunday. Ain't no Monday morning. Today's Sunday. And you're going to get pumped up in Jesus' mighty name. I choose joy. Say it one more time. I choose joy. There you go. Now that's the way to do it. All right? And you got to fight for your joy. you got to fight for your joy. All right? And how does that happen? Well, as you surrender more and more to Jesus. As you surrender your life more and more to Jesus. Why? Because joy is a gift of the Spirit. And if you have Jesus in your heart... The Spirit of God is living in you, all right? You have joy living inside of you. So as you surrender to Him, 
you will see that start to manifest more and more and more. And you're going to need some joy for today. You're going to need some joy for this teaching for today. Because today we're diving into chapter 4 of Philippians, all right? And maybe you're, oh, pastor, what's in chapter 4? Because there's some amazing verses in chapter 4. But chapter 4 of Philippians, guys, is a thank you note that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi because of their generosity with him. So what are we going to talk about today, Pastor? We're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about giving. So if you came to church today, and you're like, oh, they're going to talk about giving. Why did I choose this Sunday? That's it. You're here now, bro. You're strapped on. That's like one time that I got, I hate roller coasters. I hate roller coasters. All right? And there was one moment when I got married to this beautiful young lady there in the front that I wanted to show off. Anybody wanted to show off for your lady at some point or another? So we're in our honeymoon, and we're in Islands of Adventure, and there was this ride that they don't, it don't exist anymore called the Dueling Dragons. Uh, and my wife would do roller coasters. She don't do roller coasters now, but she did roller coasters then. And we were doing all our rides and everything, and all of a sudden we come up to this one, and I wanted to skip it. I wanted to make sure I got out of it. I mean, just pass that play. And she's like, babe, babe, this one. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. But, you know, I'm trying to act cool. We're in our honeymoon. All right? I got to show her her man has what it takes, you know? So we get on one of them dragons like that. And I'm like, we're making the line. And the whole time in the line, my palms are getting sweaty. And I'm getting chills. But I'm not telling her how I'm feeling, you know? And I'm getting all these butterflies in my stomach. And all of a sudden, we come up to the line. And you know when the thing is right there, right here, like this. It pulls in, and you're there. And then the doors just open up, and you got to go in. So I'm acting all cool and everything. And all of a sudden, when I sat down, and I strapped into that thing, like, how do I get out of here? I don't want to be in here. And she just put her hand on my thigh. She goes, baby, it's going to be okay. I'm like, no, it's not going to be okay. But I was strapped on already, man. I was there for the ride. Well, guess what? You're here this morning. You're here for the ride. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about generosity. And hopefully your message today won't end how my ride ended. You know how my ride ended? <laughs> I got so dizzy on that ride that when I got down, the doors opened up again. I took off my seatbelt, and I just threw myself on the floor like this, and I opened my eyes, and all I saw was people walking over me. And Gabby's trying to pick me up from the floor, and she goes, babe, you all right? I'm like, just leave me here for about 10 minutes. So hopefully you don't end service like that today. And if you do, there'll be people at the end to pray for you. I didn't have people who prayed for me that day. Maybe you prayed for me, but anyways. All right? So the church in Philippians understood this powerful principle. And what was that principle? It's the principle of giving with joy. These guys thought about giving as something to be joyful about. Sometimes when we talk about giving, ain't no joy in that part. I come and worship and lift my hands to the Lord. I sing and I bless the people around. Well, it's time to give our tithes and offering. I'm like, nope, there ain't no joy in that. And these people were joyous that they could give. So today's title for this message, I've titled it Cheerful Givers. 
cheerful givers. All right? Cheerful givers. And the Bible is very clear, church, okay, when it talks about money. The Bible is so clear about money. And sometimes, for us, it's such a hard topic. You know why? Because our heart is tied up to that. Because we work so hard for it, and it leaves so quick. And the gas prices are so high. And that's why I got myself a Tesla. But anyways, that's another story. All right? And you work so hard for it. And God, I want to tell you something. God doesn't care about your money or my money. God cares about our heart. God cares about our heart. And if your treasure and your heart are in the same place, and that treasure is money, oh, we're going to have issues. You're going to be like that man that all of a sudden he was in a shooting and he got shot in his chest. And all of a sudden, you know, he takes the hit. Bam, and, you know, he's trying to get away because nothing happened and he's trying to escape. And all of a sudden they take one last shot. Bam. And it hits him right here in his butt on his wallet. And the guy dropped dead on the floor. What does that mean? That they hit him right where his heart was. They hit him in his wallet. So guys, don't put your wallet on the backside. You get shot, you're going down. If you have your heart in the, in the wrong place. Listen to this. Jesus talked often about money. So for example, out of 38 parables in the New Testament that Jesus gives, 16 of them are how to handle money and possessions. Do the math. All right? In the Gospels, one out of 10 verses... One out of ten verses deal directly with money. Somebody actually took the time to count this so that I could use it today in my sermon. All right? The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. And I thought the Bible was a book on faith. It is. I thought the Bible was a book to teach me on prayer. It is but also wants to tell you what to do with possessions here on earth and how to handle that and making sure that it doesn't have your heart. The principle of generosity is a very important principle in the kingdom. That's one of our core values here at Numa Church. Generosity is one of our 10 core values. Why? Because it goes completely against our fallen, sinful nature that doesn't think about the neighbor. It thinks only about himself. Our sinful nature is only thinking of how do I make myself comfortable? How do I look out for myself? If you have a baby, you don't need to teach them to say mine. It comes with the batteries included. They'll say it automatically, mine, when you try to get something from them. Is Addy already saying mine? Uh, yeah. Can you record her and send it for me? Because we need to use it in these type of series. All right. You want to know how selfish the human nature is so last night we, we had one of my friend's son he's here from church josh he was sleeping over at the house and, and and at the end you know these guys are both you know i have a bunk bed and jeremy went and slept over with bella so the bottom bunk, bunk bed josh was going to sleep there and they both have their phones and i'm like okay guys time for you guys to give me your phones we, we got to put these away and, and david's like dad can you charge my phone and Josh is like, yeah, yeah, I need to charge mine. So I'm like, David, there's only one charger right now. And, and David's like, can you charge mine? I'm like, how much battery you got? He, got, he goes, 98. <laughs> like, you want to charge your phone or you got? And I'm like, Josh, how much you have? 1%. And 
And I'm like, David, how about we put Josh's phone to charge because he only has 1%. He goes, how about we put mine to charge? It's at 98 already. I'll get to 100 and then we'll put his. Like, talk about looking out for yourself, man. I'm like, give me your phone, man. You're losing your phone for tonight. <laughs> Who told them to do that? With the batteries included. That's how we are, guys. Look at the person next to you. They don't look selfish, but they are. They are. They are. They are so. All right, they are. They look so nice right now. They look holy. They're in church. But that's how we're wired. And God is so different than that. God is so different. Because the most generous person that I know is our daddy God. Daddy God is so generous. The Bible says that he's generous over all his creation. He's generous over all his creation. One verse that Jesus is talking about the Father is found in Matthew 5.45. And he says this, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He's talking about our behaviors and our action. He goes, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's talking about how generous he is. If it would be up to you and me, certain people would get rain, but not everybody. I'm like, I'm going to make sure this guy gets rain, but that guy over there, oh man. That guy don't come to church. That guy don't give his offering. That guy don't sing to me. No rain. But the Bible says that God causes his rain to fall on everybody. His generosity. And probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. Yesterday I was watching a baseball game about them Yankees. They're losing 0-3 to Houston. And some guy, in the, some guy in the stands with a Bible verse. You know what's the Bible verse that he's holding in the stands? You guys know it. John 3.16. How many of you guys have ever seen that in a baseball game, football game? Some dude over there in the back is snowing and everything. You see the guy without a shirt. John 3.16. doesn't say Austin 3.16, but that's another story. John 3.16. That's the most famous verse in the Bible. And what does that verse say? It says, For God so loved the world that He gave. His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved, so He did what, guys? He gave. Say, God gives. Say it with me, God gives. You're not saying it the same way you were doing it at the, what's going on? Say it with me, God gives. So generosity and giving is birthed where? In the heart of God. That's where generosity is born. It's in the heart of of God, okay? And he wants us as his children to be the same as he is. He wants us to represent him in everything that we, that we do. And God is a cheerful giver. God is a cheerful giver. Parents that, that are here, dads, moms, moms, dads, how many of you guys enjoy giving things to your children? Isn't it awesome? When you give an ice cream to your kid, all right, my son, Jeremy, could eat cookies for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. He, he doesn't need to have any, just cookies. And the other day, he came to school, and somebody in the class gave him cookie monster socks. And I'm like, those are the best socks that you could have, bro. I'm like, because those socks represent you to the best, I told him, Jeremy. So on Friday, he came with his cookie monster socks. 
And I want to tell you something. When I get my kids cookies, and I see JJ eating that inside of me, like, man, let him have 10 if he wants to. Because as a dad, what does that bring in me? It brings joy. And that's the way that our Heavenly Father is. So now, let's go to Philippians 4. All this is an introduction so that you guys laugh a little bit and have a good time. And now we're going to get into it. Philippians 4, we're going to start in verse 10. All right, and we're going to start diving into this. The Apostle Paul, remember, he's writing this from where? From jail. I've repeated this. He's writing it from jail in four chapters. He speaks about joy or rejoice 16 times. All right? I'm not the one rejoicing in jail, but he's doing it. And then he says this, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know how you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, or I have, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. That's the key to life. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We've all heard that scripture. Now you know the context in which it is. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift for you, from you. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. He continues, At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gift you sent me with Epaphroditus. Don't call your kid that. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches that have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. So in this scripture that we read a couple of verses that we've heard thrown around and stuff like that, All right, we're going to look at four truths that come out from this scripture that I want you to treasure and practice in your spiritual walk. There's four powerful truths that Paul talks about being cheerful givers in this scripture. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Giving with joy is birthed out of gratitude. Giving with joy is birthed out of what, guys? Out of gratitude. That's another one of our core values here at NUMA, gratitude. Look at what verse 10 and then 15 and 16, what it says. I'm going to repeat it. How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. The Philippians were concerned about Paul. They were concerned about his condition. I know that you have always been concerned for me, he says. I know how much you guys love me. I know how much you guys care about me. Verse 15 and 16. You Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. He's saying, when I came in, I shared with you the good news 
And you guys started to provide financially for what we were going through. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. These people were taking care of the needs of the Apostle Paul in this moment. This church of Philippi, if we're going to do a study on these guys, these guys had what no other church had in the New Testament church. If you're going to look at a church that stands out, okay, you might say, oh, it's the church of Ephesus. They had the five gifts, you know, or, or maybe the church of, you know, in Colossians. No, the one that stands out to me is the church of Philippi. The church of Philippi, there was such a great gratitude with God and with the Apostle Paul that it would manifest how? In generosity. It would manifest in what? In generosity. I want to remind you how this church was birthed. This church was birthed, all right, while Paul was going down to a river, he found a couple of ladies that were there and he starts to preach to them. These ladies get Paul on a bigger stage and he starts preaching to more people in the city and the people get upset at him and they're about to kill him. So they throw Paul and Silas in jail. All right, And while they're in jail, they're praising God and everything. I don't do that, but they were doing that. And all of a sudden, an earthquake happened. The cells opened up and the jailer was about to kill himself thinking that everybody escaped. And Paul says, hey, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And that night, that jailer took Paul home and him, his whole family, and those ladies that were in the river, they got saved. They got baptized in the middle of the night. And that's how that church was birthed. It was a miraculous birth for that church. So what were they? They were grateful with God that he had shown up in their life. They were grateful with God for the, for the apostle Paul. And they never forgot that. Ten years have gone by since that church opened up and they're still sending their financial gifts to Paul. Talk about gratitude. What does that tell me? Never forget where you came from. Never forget where you come from. This will become the mortar behind your generosity. Don't forget where God found you. You can never forget that. Because that will talk about God's greatness in your life. That will talk about how He showed up and everything that He's done for you. Now, I know that I have a different crowd here today because I have some people that are here. Like my kids, they've been born in this. They've been born in church. I mean, I've changed my kids' diapers and not at DC's, the ones that we had before. So when you're born in church and this is all you know, you don't really know how bad it is when you don't have God. But when you don't have God, it's so messed up. You guys that were birthed in church, you're privileged. You're privileged. I wish I would have been birthed in church. I wish I would have known about God at such a young age like some of you guys did. But when you don't know God, and you're going through troubles in life, when you're going through depression, when you're going through anguish, when you're going through agony, when you're going through divorce, when you're going through bankruptcy, when you're going through all these things, and God shows up and does a miracle for you and changes everything around that produces something in you, and that is called gratitude. And gratitude becomes the mortar of what? Of your generosity. 
You see, I'm here today in front of you to speak. I was so broken. I was so broken. As an 18-year-old, I was broken. I had lost everything. I was afraid. Have you ever been in a place where there's no clear exit in sight? And all there is is a black tunnel. And they always say, oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, the light was a train that was coming in my direction. Imagine that. It's like, you know, when you watch, you know, Looney Tunes, and you see the coyote going into the tunnel and the thing, and all of a sudden there's a train coming, you see the coyote running. That happened to me. There was a light, yeah, but it was a train. And when you get to those places that you have to work hard, you have to do things. Like this morning, you know, I woke up at 6 a.m. And I was like, man, I get to wake up on Sunday morning at 6. I'm going to pray and get ready for the service. And I was like, but I remember when at 6 a.m. I was already in a bus stop. Because if I didn't get there by 6 a.m. and the bus passed at 6.10, there was no way I was getting to work on time. So I was like, thank you, Lord. Today's 6. I'm sleeping in. It produces a gratitude. It produces some mortar. It produces something behind you. When God shows up, when you don't know where he's going to show up from. When you see God show up, and I like to say he shows up and he shows off. Have you ever been in a place that God shows up and he shows off? That you know nobody's taking credit for that. You know, only he is going to take credit because there's no way in this world that that would have happened if it wasn't God. Anybody here, God has shown up in their life like that. In some moment in your life, God showed up, and today you're the beneficiary of all God's goodness, all God's mercy, all God's grace, all God's favor. Oh, you got to thank God, and that needs to produce something in your life. That needs to produce something. So when God showed up in my life and rescued me, in the middle of all that craziness and everything, and I start going to church on Sunday, and the pastor's talking about giving your tithes and offerings, and I was the only one working at home at that moment. I was the only one bringing in bread. I was the only one providing financial. And the pastor's talking about giving to God your 10%. My paycheck was $400, so my tithe was how much? Uh, the mathematicians, you guys are doing great today. $40. And when the pastor said, you got to give your tithe to the Lord, not 10%, your first 10%, and I'm the only one working, but God has done all that in my life. You know what I told the Lord? Not only 10, Lord, everything. Because I'm here because of you. I'm not holding back. Only 10%. Actually, I'm going to tell you how crazy it was in my life. I couldn't wait for paycheck day so that I could take my $40 check to church. Because I was like, if that's the only thing he's asking me for everything he's done for me. Like, here you go, Lord. I would come with joy. And when they put, pass that little, you know, we don't do that anymore. It was this little purple basket, you know. I still have dreams and I start twitching at night. When they passed that thing, when it was like two people away, I was already throwing in my check. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because you rescue me. Thank you, God, because you get me out of my mess. Thank you, God, because you healed my father. Thank you, God, because you provided a roof over my head. Thank you, Daddy God, because you gave me the wisdom to make the decisions that I needed to make. Thank you, Lord, because you are good. And one day I made a prayer. 
And that was a crazy prayer. I had to repent for this prayer. Have you ever done a prayer that you got to repent for it? <laughs> so one day I'm there and I'm with the Lord having my moment. I told Lord, man, I want to be the top giver in Numa Church. I want to be the top giver every year because I'm so grateful, Lord. I want to be the top giver. But I forgot I got a pastor's salary. <laughs> so I was like, Lord, what in the world? I got to like try to keep up with this promise that I made to you. There's a couple of years that we were there. And then I had some business people come around that with one check, they would give more than what I had given in eight months. I'm like, Lord, how in the world? I'm, I want to keep my promise. And then one day, the Lord says, I know that you love me. And I know with the heart with what you did that, but you got to renounce to that. Because if you want to build the church, there's going to have to be people that give way more than you do. And I was like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. But in my heart, you know that I want to be that person. Because I'm grateful. I'm grateful. And gratitude needs to produce that in our hearts. You see, on November 13th, here at Numa Church, we're going to have a very special service. It's going to be our Legacy Sunday service. And on Legacy Sunday, I'm going to tell you guys everything that we've been doing with your generosity, everything that we've given away this year of 2022, ministries, lives that have been changed, things that have been accomplished because of your generosity. That's going to be our Legacy Sunday. But that day also, we're going to bring our Thanksgiving offering to God. Every year in this church, if you're new, all right, there's three special offerings we pick up during the year. One of those is the Thanksgiving offering. Pastor, how much do I have to give? I don't tell you an amount. I just tell you to pray. Pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to give in that Thanksgiving offering. I'm praying already, and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give? Then that day, I don't want to come with my hands empty. I want to bring a sacrifice of praise. I want to bring a sacrifice of gratitude, of generosity to my God. So mark it down, all right? Don't mark it down. Oh, I'm going to make sure I'm absent this Sunday. Because <laughs> if you're absent that Sunday, I'm going to remind you the Sunday after. Hey, by the way, the Sunday before that you missed on purpose? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Maybe I will. <laughs> Second point. Giving with joy produces an abundant reward for us. Produces an abundant reward. In verse 17 of Philippians 4, the second part, it says, Paul says to these guys, he goes, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. Now the reality is that we're not doing it to look for the reward. Okay, I, I, I don't give to God like if it was the stock market. I'm like, okay, let me see what ministry... You know, oh man, I'm going to give over there because, man, they're giving the highest returns in that church or that ministry is giving the highest return. That's not how we give. I don't give looking to see what the return is going to be. But I'm going to tell you, there's no lie that there's a great reward for those that give. The reality is that there's benefits when you give in the kingdom of God. I've never seen the miracles that I've seen except when I give in the kingdom of God. When I give to McDonald's, when I give to Netflix, I don't see no miracles. When I give to FPL, miracle disappears. But when I give to God, I see him multiply. I see him do great and mighty things. The Philippians were not seeking to build a reputation or to be remembered. 
Listen to this, guys. This church was not looking to build a reputation or be remembered, but to generously give to the work of preaching the gospel and planting churches that was being done through their father and the faith, the Apostle Paul. And Paul is so excited with them that he says, you know what? This signifies so much. Oh man, I can't wait for you to get your reward from your giving. I can't wait for you guys to see the fruit of what's happening because let me tell you something. When you give to God, there's a compounding interest. There's compounding and it starts to build. It starts to build. It starts to, and it's like that snowball effect. That's what starts to happen and that's what started to happen. Where does that happen, Pastor? In heaven. I want you guys to know something. Look over here. God keeps track of everything we give when we give to his kingdom through the spirit and through his word. God keeps track of it. For example, Matthew 10, verse 42. Pastor, show me that in the Bible. I'm going to show it to you. This is Jesus. He says, and if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Even a cup of water, God's taking notice. Even a cup of water, heaven is taking notice. So one day I'm on a missions trip in Cuba, and we're visiting different pastors' houses, and we're taking them an offering that you guys provided for us to take to those pastors. We would walk into pastors' home in Cuba, all right? And as we would walk into those pastors' homes, just to give you an idea of what was the average pastor's salary for one year at that moment, this is probably about 2017, average pastor's salary at that moment in Cuba was something around $60 to $70 a year. And I would walk into those pastors' homes with $200 in my pocket. $300 because of your generosity. And I would say, hey, listen, this is for you guys. This is to bless. When they would open it, their eyes would like, they look like fish in fish tanks. They've never seen this much money before. And they would tell me, Pastor, you know what we're going to do with this? We're going to buy church chairs. And we're going to fix this and fix that. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. This is for you guys. This is for all the work you guys have done in the kingdom. This is for you to take your wife out and find a nice hotel in Havana or in Varadero or in the beach and stay there for three or four or five days with your family because these guys have never gone on a vacation before. And I'm like, as a pastor, you need to be replenished. You need to take some time off. You need to put your mind on family and just relax a little bit. They're like, but we don't know what to do. And one of those pastors, when I gave them that offering, you know what he told me? I have nothing back to give you except this. And he went into his refrigerator and got some water and poured it in a cup. And he goes, pastor, the only thing I have today is a cold cup of water. Can you take this? Nobody has ever offered me a cold cup of water. That's the only thing that they had. And I was reminded of that verse. No one that even gives a cup of water to one of my disciples will not lose their reward. And when they gave me that cup of water, I held their hand. I'm like, you don't understand how big is the reward that is coming your way. 
because of this that you just did. I don't know where that water came from. <laughs> it was, uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you, it wasn't smart water or Dasani or none of those things. But when I got that cup and I started to, I'm like, Lord, bless this water in Jesus' name. You say we shall trample on scorpions and serpents. Here I go, glug, glug, glug. And I have great news for you. I'm standing here today, six, six years later, and nothing happened. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Jesus says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. I read this story that really captured my attention. And I want to share it with you guys, because I want you guys to have a visual of what this means. So, there was this World War II pilot that got shot down over the Pacific. And this pilot made it into this little island that he thought it was deserted. When he got to that island, the natives of the island started to come out. And when they came out, they picked him up. And he thought that they were going to kill him because they picked him up and it got all rowdy and it got all crazy. But they took him to the middle of the village and there was a throne that was set up in the middle of the village. And they took him and they started to venerate him like if he was some sort of deity or something like that. And they sat him on the throne. What he figured out as the day went by is that these guys, every year, they would choose one person from their tribe to be king for one year. And this guy says, this is great. I got to this island, and now I get to be king of these people for one year? But then he started to wonder, and he says, I wonder what happened to the king from the year before. And the year before that. And the year before that. So he started to ask questions, and when he found out was that they would reign for one year, and after that year, they were banished to a deserted island. And they had to live there the rest of their life. So this guy being king and being smart, you know what he did? He got all the people together and he says, we're going to build boats. And with those boats that we're going to build, we're going to start taking some of the crops that we have here and we're going to start taking it to that island that is over there. And we're going to start taking wood from these trees and we're going to start taking it to that island. Over. And for one whole year, he started to replenish the deserted island where he was going to get sent to with an amazing house. It had fields in the back. Everything was amazing. So when he got kicked out from being king after his one year and got sent over there, guess what? He continued living like a king in the deserted island. What am I trying to tell you? The Bible says, don't build treasure here. Start thinking about where we're going to spend the rest of eternity. Because what you do here, like good old Maximus says in Gladiator, echoes in eternity. Worship team, come up. We have an opportunity with our lives right now to make a difference through our lives.
through our giving, through our generosity. That produces what? An eternal reward. And that's what Paul was saying for this church in Philippi. Point number three, write this down. Giving with joy rises up before God as a pleasing sacrifice. Verse 18, Paul mentions this in Philippians 4. At the moment I have all I need and more. Why did he have all he needed? I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me. So he had all he needed because they were the ones that had given to him. But then he says something powerful. He says, they are a sweet smelling sacrifice that is susceptible and pleasing to God. I want to clear up something this morning. The Philippian church wasn't a rich church. These weren't rich people that were giving to supply the needs of Paul. Actually, in 2 Corinthians, it talks about who these guys were in Chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, because I want you to understand that this has more to do with the condition of the heart than with the amount that you give. Look what it says. It goes, talking about these Philippians, Paul tells the church in Corinthians they were being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. What did they say that they are? They're very poor. But they're also filled with abundant joy. Look how he's bragging about the joy that they have which has overflowed in rich generosity. Your joy overflows in rich generosity. Your joy doesn't just stay here. It does something. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did this out of their own free will. So it says that they gave out of what? Out of their own free will. They gave more than what they could afford. They gave out of their poverty. What a legacy these people leave us. What a legacy these people leave us. And you know what that caused in the heart of God? You know what that legacy of the Philippians caused in the heart of God? That we're here 2,000 years later and we're talking about the offering that they gave. I hope that maybe if this world goes on for another 100 or 200 years, I don't know. They could talk about the way that I gave and my generosity like that. When you give your tithes, when you give your offerings, when you're generous, you know what that causes in the heart of God? That rises up as a fragrant offering before the Lord. There's a lady in the Bible called Mary. And the Bible is very specific. It says that a bunch of demons have been cast out of her. The lady was in trouble. You think you're a mess? That's lady, this lady will make you look like Mother Teresa. And this lady right here, there's a moment that they're doing something for Jesus. They're doing a dinner for Jesus. And she just barges in into the room. And the Bible says that she took a perfume that was contained in an alabaster box. 
Very precious. The Bible says, so important, that this that she had this was one year's wages of perfume. Back then, all right, the wages for one day was one denarii. All right, one denarii. She had bought this perfume and she goes to where Jesus is. And you know what she starts doing? She gets the perfume and she just pours it at the feet of Jesus. And she starts to wash his feet with her tears mixed with the perfume. And she starts to dry it with her hair. And the people that are in the room, they start to complain the same way that maybe I would do or you would do and say, what a waste. Why has this been wasted? And in the Bible specific, it says, who's the one that complained? It was Judas. And the Bible says that Judas was the one that kept the purse for the team. And a lot of times he would take from that money for his own needs. You know what Judas was saying? Man, I wish that thing would have been sold because I could have used some of that. And when they start to complain and say, what a waste. Why was that given to this or, or done that? The scripture says in verse 3 of John 12, and I'm just going to read the end. It says that after she did all that, it says the house was filled with the fragrance. The house was filled with the fragrance. You know what that means? That it smelled like. Have you ever been around somebody that smells so good that you know that that person's been there? You even know the perfume that they use. You're like... Oh, so-and-so's been here. Because you know the way that they carry themselves around. Well, when that lady was done in that room, everybody left. But the aroma of the worship that had taken place was still filling the room. When I give to God something, I want the aroma to fill the throne room of God. I want something to rise up in front of him that say, hey, 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 hey. That's the fragrance of my son. I know when he comes around, that's what he likes to wear. I love that fragrance. That's what I want the Father to do. I want my giving to be like that in front of God. A sweet-smelling perfume in front of God that will be pleasing to him. And write this down. This is your last point. Just in case you're like me, you're like, you said four, which is the fourth one. Here it is. <laughs> Giving with joy to God's work guarantees that he will supply all your needs. Giving to God's work with joy guarantees that he will supply all your needs. I want to close with this. You know that when you give to church, you really don't give to church, you give through church if the church has the right mentality. But when you give to church, you know what you're doing? You're taking care of the bride of Christ. Because the church is the bride of Christ. Imagine I was leaving on a long trip. Leaving for a very long time. And I get all my four kids and I call them. And I go, guys, daddy's going to be away for a while. And here's some money. I need you guys, all right, to take care of mom while I'm gone. And you guys could use whatever you need. Here's the amount. And I have four kids. Imagine all of a sudden they take that money. Like, hey, free money, baby. Look what daddy has done for me. And they start using the money. They start spending the money. 
And then I call my wife from afar and I'm like, babe, are they taking care of you? And she's like, babe, only one of them is taking care of me. The rest are wasting everything completely on themselves. What do you think I'm going to do when I get back? Who am I going to be happy and who am I going to reward? The one that did what? The one that took care of mom, how I had said. And how about the rest that just used it on themselves? What am I going to do? There's going to be a little reckoning that's going to take place. There's some conversations that need to take place. There's some things that need to take place. Verse 19, it closes. In the same way, God who takes care of me will supply all you need from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So the Lord is saying, you take care of me. That's right. You can put your hands together for the Lord. You take care of me. You take care of my bride. Hey, you know what? Everything that I have is yours and I'll take care of you. I want you to close your eyes as we close this morning. There were your eyes closed, head bowed. I know the Lord is talking to each of us today. He's talking to us about our heart. He's talking about our attitude. He's talking about our generosity. He's talking about our joy. Let our joy be the same as these brothers and sisters in Philippians. The greatest gift that has ever been given has been the Father when He gave His Son for us. And the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We couldn't mend anything with God and God already was giving his best. Today, God is challenging us to give our best out of gratitude for him. What does that look like? Well, you got to decide that. Each of us have a different journey with God. Each of us are in a different stage. Each of us are, are, are in a different point. God is doing different things in our heart, but something God wants to do in you is that you would reflect his heart, which is a generous heart. So I want you to ask for a moment right there where you're at. Daddy God, Holy Spirit, what are you telling me through this message today? And let him speak to your heart right there where you're at. Let's go worship team. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's Leave behind your regrets 
today there's no reason to wait Jesus is calling bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Right there where you're at with eyes closed and head bowed. God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't done before. And before you got to give anything to him, first he wants you to take what he did for you and what he did for me. And if you're in this room or watching online today and you've never received and become a partaker of the gift of Jesus on that cross when he died for your sin and my sin, I want to give you that opportunity today. I want you to give you the opportunity of you being able to follow Jesus and go after him and become a son or daughter of God. Because when he died on that cross, he died to forgive your sins and my sins. The greatest act of generosity in the history of the world. And today, if you're there and you want to make this decision yours just with your eyes closed and head bowed, I want you to repeat with me, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me on the cross, to pay for my sins. Today, I ask you for forgiveness. And I ask you, Lord, that right now you would give me the gift of eternal life as I receive Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Father, I run into your arms. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and allow me to live the life that you have for me from this moment on. I thank you, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people say, amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Church this morning. Thanks again for listening. If you liked what you've heard, subscribe to our channel and share it with others. Now, for more content from NUMA and to connect with us, visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org. We love you and we hope to connect with you soon.